0: Hello and welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with some of the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today. We will show you that there are numerous paths to a successful career in the real estate industry, and that some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here's the head of TBG Real Estate, Chris Papa. All right, folks, welcome to this edition of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. I am your host chris papa and today we have my friend and team lead at core group realty portland joining us paul campbell how you doing paul
1: man i'm doing awesome thanks for having me i appreciate it
0: Feeling awesome yes sir yes sir it's sunny in portland (laughs) which is always a good thing oh yeah it's sunny up there yeah i'll take
1: it you know Rumor has it that we get a lot of rain in these parts, but we've had a pretty warm summer. So I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm not going to complain a little bit because if I turn around, it'll be raining.
0: <laughs> well, I had a great weekend here in the, in the Bay Area, too. I was up in San Francisco yesterday. I was over by Land's End, and it was like foggy and just kind of what you think of San Francisco. Then I went over to the Mission District, and it was hot and sunny.
1: Beautiful, man. So, I, I love San Francisco
0: on a sunny day. Yeah, it was great. It was really nice. So, thanks for joining us. Where'd you grow up? Man,
1: I'm born and raised Portlander. I'm one of the originals. I didn't come here from California like, uh, like all the friends <laughs> know that moved up here. Yeah. But, so, I was born in Eugene, Oregon. I was adopted by a Portland family, and uh, the rest is history. I guess I just never had the cojones to move out of here, although... Uh, maybe someday. Maybe we have another bad winter where it just rains all the time. I'll come down and join
0: you and go to California. How has it. Portland changed? Well, how old are you? Me, oh, I'm forty. has it changed in the last? Portland changed in the last forty years.
1: <sighs> and I lied, by the way.
0: I turned forty in like four days.
1: The sixth of September. Ah, oh,
0: so. Jesus. I know, right?
1: I'm already. Uh, I'm already using it. <laughs> but man, it's changed a lot. Um, <laughs> I guess some of the biggest changes is the neighborhood that I grew up in, it went from being, you know, I'm not going to say there's a ghetto in Portland, because there really isn't as compared to some other places in the United States, but it was one of Portland's more dangerous neighborhoods, and then uh, over the last probably 15 years, it's evolved into something crazy trendy. Uh, In fact, I moved back into that neighborhood with my soon-to-be three-year-old daughter, and I feel safe as can be. Uh, and we've got restaurants within walking distance, and I get to I get to enjoy all the beautiful things about where I grew up without any of the possible violence. So it's a good thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> people beating each other up with trees and stuff—is that kind of what happens? Out, <laughs> to happen out there? No, it was just you know,
1: the uh, logs for the gang, gang and all that. But uh, you know, we actually had gang activity in Portland back in the day. Believe it or not, it's not just a bunch of. Timber Joes and people running around smoking weed with hipster hats. It's <laughs> it's a viable city, man. I swear. <laughs> but uh, you
0: grew you grew up pretty pretty blue collar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you were adopting. I me mean, those are those are things I'm sure that kind of motivated you because you're. I mean, some of the people we've interviewed on this podcast have been you know, from big funds or you know different things, but I mean you're you're sort of in a different area of real estate in the fact that you, you started up through the, the brokerage industry, right?
1: Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I've done a lot of different things in real estate on, a, I guess you would say smaller scale, but it, it equals to be a good life for me and the family. We started in mortgages hundred years ago, believe it or not, before the crash. And during the crash, I was a short sale negotiator. Uh, and then got my real estate license and started building teams and we did a lot of foreclosure work for banks. Gosh, and then kind of graduating to mostly focusing on on personal and uh, working with a network of investors over the last few years. And focusing on the investment side of real estate. I also run a team here that does the broker stuff, the day-to-day buy and sell, and they're doing really well. So uh, it all kind of pieces together over the years and turns into whatever it is I do now all that.
0: <laughs> Was your family in real estate? Like, how did you even get a, a notion that you wanted to be in real estate?
1: That's a great question because I joke and Thank I'm you. not sure how much of a joke it is, but I, I'm pretty sure I tripped and fell ass backwards into real estate. Um, it it kind of came from banking, of all things. So I, I talked my way into getting a job as a new accounts rep at a bank. Uh, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was right when first Interstate and Wells Fargo were merging back in the day. I think I was just turned 15, and you're not supposed to get that job when you're 15. But I managed to weave my way into it, and uh, I really enjoyed finance, and that that led into the mortgage world. Um, and then, as we all know, that didn't work out so well for the economy back in 2007 or so. No. And uh, I was forced to find other ways to make a few dollars. And that kind of pushed me into the short sale game. And then the short sales, the natural evolution of working short sales is just to get real estate license. So it kind of just happened to me, not the other way around. I thought I was gonna be some fighting so like- against my own life, but that never happened.
0: But it seems like a lot of it is, uh, at least at the beginning there was a lot of jobs that involved business development, Sales like new new accounts right you have to go out and get new accounts when you're a mortgage person you have to you have to go out and get new clients right yeah we always like that did you grow up having like a lemonade stand or did you have like some candy at school or any of that kind gosh, of stuff
1: you know I never really considered myself in sales, but yeah, now that you mention it I always was selling something
0: um, <laughs> well everybody's selling everybody's selling something
1: yeah right, really. you're right about that I used to Oh man, this is bad. I don't even know if I should say. I don't even know if I should tell this story. But I had I had a buddy that <laughs> cigarettes when I was in uh, in high school, and I never smoked cigarettes. But I had this connection, so I tried to figure out what to do with it. So I would just sell cigarettes to other people I'd mark them up about a hundred percent. Sell them to all the kids that wanted to smoke cigarettes in high school and made a pretty good living doing that. Bought a car off of it. So thanks, guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me look horrible and. Just you know, don't
0: judge too much. That was like Well back then smoking was a little yeah. a little more accepted. I don't know how it is now in Portland, but you get your that's, head chopped off here in the Bay Area. That's a couple of decades ago. So I think the statute of
1: limitations is passed. So I think I'm
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so what tell me what, what what is short sale? Tell me about short sales. So how did, you, how did you transition to that and what is that? For everyone not everyone probably knows what that is.
1: Well, a short sale is basically when uh, you have an asset that has a lien on it and you get yourself into a financial situation where you can no longer sell that asset for more than what you owe on that asset. Um, Uh Typically in real estate, I mean, they do short sales all over the place. and, And my expertise is obviously in real estate, but I know they do short stocks and whatever else. That's way outside of my pay grade. How that works in real estate is, Essentially, you've got a mortgage for $300,000. The market crashes. You can't get out from under that thing for say 200. Now you've got to go to the banks and anybody that has a lien on that, which can get fairly complicated. There's multiple lien sources like child support liens and tax liens and, you know, first mortgages and second mortgages. And it's not like as soon as you stop making your mortgage payment, you just jump right into negotiating a short sale. Most people are hardworking, mean well. They want to try and get back on their feet. So they go get more loans, try and get back on their feet. So you end up with first, second, sometimes thirds, private liens, all kinds of stuff. Uh, And our goal when we were negotiating for those to help that consumer get out from under that debt as, as quickly and efficiently as possible by negotiating, you know, fair payoffs based on new market situations with all those lien holders. That was basically the gist of it. And it kind of parlayed into gotcha. working with banks directly for their, uh, their post foreclosure business because, you know, when the market crashed, nobody had a, they didn't have a system for short sales. If you negotiate a short sale now, you're, you're with an expert, uh, and, and I wouldn't call it a smooth process now, but it's, it was the wild west back then because nobody, you'd call banks and they didn't even know what a short sale was and you are talking to them. <laughs> so you're like, yeah. you have to explain to them, you're like, you're about to take this asset squarely in the shorts. You need to think about taking money. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, hold on. Let me transfer you to some department. And, and you'd end up bouncing around for a week until you found somebody that knew what they were talking about. And there you were. So it was, uh, it's more of a process now. It was more of
0: a wild west scenario back in the day. But cut my teeth so on you that. Had like that. So you had that kind of understood from the banking background a little bit, right? Kind of how that works. In a sense, Like, how did you even like fall into that?
1: Well, it just made sense. You know, there were so many people that needed help with this, and and that included the banks. I don't think people all – I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in banking just because I, I was a new accounts desk, but I did understand some basic principles like bad assets aren't good for bank books. And as soon as those assets turn negative, then they get the federal government coming and knocking and it changes how they can lend money which is essentially how they make money and uh, you know there's that's obviously a very simple explanation but uh, it it just was in everybody else's but it was in everybody's interest the consumer's interest the bank's interest to clear these books as fast as possible keep as much out of the foreclosure market as possible because once it hits the foreclosure market it continues to drag everything down and uh you know, we did our best to try and get as many properties in this area, uh, out the door before it became a foreclosure epidemic, which obviously we're just one company and we managed to do quite a few of them, but uh, the foreclosures still, still came fast and furious. It made me sad. Yeah. Too, in a lot of cases for short sales, they would negotiate some money for the homeowner. They'd be able to walk away with at least a couple grand. Foreclosure was a big donut.
0: Yeah, well, it was a good business to be in if you were, but not a good, you know, not the most, uh, I remember being a foreclosure paralegal in college and, like, it was not fun to deal with some of those uh, people getting foreclosed upon.
1: No, the foreclosure side was worse when you had to knock on the door as a bank representative and essentially tell them they had 30 days to take a hike. That wasn't anywhere near as fun as, like, delivering a $4,000 check to somebody that didn't think they were going to get a penny. That was a lot more fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you took that and you got to do a little happier thing and you're like, I'm going to go and try my hand at, at real estate sales. I mean, that's, that's a big jump too. Cause there's no, for somebody who's looked like myself, I've looked into real estate brokerage or something. There's no, there's no cushion. There's no like, like you're not really getting paid a salary. I mean, you're right. You got to go out and just make it. And There's not really much. I don't know. You get on a team or how does that start out when you get into to, to real estate?
1: Well, I wasn't, ah, shoot, man, I hadn't had a salary for years at this point. I was uh, I was commissioned for, since I started
0: But you built like, up a business in one area, right? And then you up to another area, you don't have that business anymore.
1: That's true, but the good news is when I made the jump, I decided to get licensed because realtors were actually seeking me out with the whole short sale expertise. And they, because they were wondering, what the heck do we do now? How are we going to buy and sell houses we can't? Can't sell any houses because they're all over leveraged. So I actually got on with a really great team. I'd say a real estate mentor, you know, I'm still friends to this day, Scott Besaw uh, with the Manila Saw team at Kevin Williams like a 100 years ago. And I got on that team as basically a short sale guy. And we ended up doing probably two years of almost nothing but short sales. Uh, and eventually uh, ended up Showing them how to do it and, and you know the entire industry started catching up as they as they realized that that was the only way that real estate business
0: was going to transact at the time so
1: um, it just seemed you, like a you built out
0: a niche, yeah. you got really good at one thing right
1: yeah, yeah and really
0: good all of a sudden, like so good that like other people wanted to hire you for that specific yeah, thing pretty much
1: that's uh, that's about how it happened that's how it went down. <laughs>
0: And then you kind of of expanded out and you you started doing more than short sales, right? I mean, once that kind of slowed down a little bit, you kind of got into the...
1: Yeah, because, you know, I think, I wish I would have known more. But, you know, in retrospect, I think everybody would agree that a down market is when people start to make money, right? Like, that's when most millionaires are created. Guys that have cash or, or have some resources, market crashes, they start buying up houses. You know, once we started realizing that it wasn't the end of the world, their values were going to come up. Portland still had decent employment. You know, as we started crawling out of this hole, um, investors started seeking me out because I had access to the bank owned properties. I had access to short sale properties. And they're like, we want to buy these things and we'll provide you with just a ready to go cash client if you can facilitate some of these sales. And then so we did that for a little oh, okay. while. And I started thinking to myself, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I buy a couple of these? So you know, just uh, it just kind of snowballed from from life experience, and then uh, and then now I pretty much focus on the real estate investment angle. And there's just so much to it; it constantly keeps me interested and engaged. And there's so many different ways to invest in real estate. I, I doubt I even know half of them, and I've been
0: doing it for years. Well, how did you go from being like a member on the team? To being to having a, your own team, like kind of supporting, it's like you have a team doing doing the, the real estate sales, and then that allows you to do your real estate investing, right? Yeah. How did exactly. you get to build your own team? What What about were you out there networking? Were you did you know something other people didn't know? You you know, you're definitely better looking than everyone else, but like was <laughs> anything else? <laughs>
1: now I know you're lying, but uh, <laughs> no man. I, like I said, I think it just kind of happened. Um, so my mentor that I mentioned, Scott Biesel, uh, his partner uh, decided to move to Ben. And he just approached me and was like, hey, you know, we've been doing this Keller Williams things for a while. And Keller Williams, I don't know how much you know about them, but they essentially teach you how to run your own business within Keller Williams. So we got to a point where we were like, well, why don't we just try and do this on our own? It, it was a it wasn't a shot on Kevin Williams in any way or form. It was a great company it's still to this day. But uh, So me and Scott opened up Stellar Real Estate, and uh, we ran that for probably pretty close to 10 years. We had a pretty good run. And within yeah. Stellar Real I decided to grow a team uh, where we provided... We, we ran it a little bit more like a business where we provided leads and all the resources that agents needed, and they paid. They were split to the company. And that's just kind of how the team concept was uh, developed, at least by me. And
0: uh, what do you think? Why do you think made you be like the team leader and not like? I mean, I'm sure there are other people you worked with at that time that just weren't that have never but, become team leaders.
1: I don't know. I just really liked trying to stay in front of real estate trends. Uh, I think the reason why I became a team leader the first time around is because I identified a trend uh, with. This, uh, with Google AdWords and real estate lead gen, real estate lead gen shifted over the last, you know, 12 years and it became less, uh, referral based traditional marketing, newspaper ads, open houses and started really jumping into, you know, new tech. And there was a particular company called Boomtown that was just epically good at it and changed the landscape of how real estate leads were pulled. And we were a first 50 boomtown adopter. Now they're, now they got everybody. And there's probably 15 different knockoff companies, uh, that are doing similar things. Oh, and that all just popped up over probably the last eight years. So I guess the answer to that question is I just like to try and stay out in front and identify new trends. And that kind of turns into a team leader because I'm, I'm sitting there with this program. that's burning off all these leads there's no way i mm-hmm. can do anything with it so they start handing them out they start handing them out and then you start uh, recruiting they start building and then all of a sudden the team model is born i wish i could take you more do any, that.
0: just uh, not- well i mean there's there's got to be something within you that was you know helping with that and you know find that innovation right a lot of people are just sitting there like waiting for things to be handed to them and for some reason, you were like proactive and just were looking for something new.
1: I've always been really good at identifying opportunities. Uh, you know, sometimes some of my weaknesses will rear their ugly head after I've identified the opportunity. But as far as identifying <laughs> go, I've always been really on point.
0: And so now your your core group, tell me what's what. Tell me about your your business now.
1: You know, it's very similar to what we were doing at Stellar. It just it. We'd run our course with my business partner, Scott, and he wanted to focus more on traditional agents and I wanted to focus more on a team. So we just went our separate ways, amicably as far as I know. <laughs> and we, uh, we, I took my team over to kind of a, a trendier real estate, I guess, hopefully I've identified a trend again called EXP. Um, and we're building a team through them. And, uh, The reason why we did that is because they are offering some pretty non-traditional benefits, like stock options and uh, a really good revenue share program, and some pretty high-end technology. Uh, So, just something else that I thought was going to kind of be the wave of the future as as traditional real estate agents keep bumping heads with tech companies and iBuyers and you know all that stuff that's disrupting the real estate industry. Uh, This stuck out to me as something that could provide uh, a value add that allowed real estate agents to continue doing business versus like a small company where none of those things were available. It's like uh it's like traditional real estate meets technology.
0: Well, tell me about your invested business. I mean, I, I see you, I mean, you're all over the place, but right? you're, you're just in Boise. I, you go to all these different conferences, you're involved with masterminds, you're on different podcasts. I mean, tell me about your investing business and kind of how you get People to invest with you.
1: You know, it's a little bit of both. Uh, Some of the stuff we'll do ourselves, but a lot of the stuff I work with partners. I gosh, that's another good question, man. I I don't really think about it like that. That's what I do here. (laughs) You you got my mind spinning, man. Yeah, I I just look at it in terms of relationships uh, versus like actively seeking out people to give me money. I don't think that I don't think that's the way that I would do it. It kind of goes back to what I was saying. Well, that's the
0: best way to do it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. how you do it. You go in. Yeah, but you you end up people like you and they you see what you're doing and they are like, oh, I'll give you some money.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think I give. So, like your average hedge fund, for example, they uh, um, they'll take eighty percent of the profits and they'll pay a prep rate with like a twenty percent upside or something along those lines for investments. And that's not what I do. You know, I figure if you're taking the risk then you should get the, if it's your money, you get the lion's share of the reward. So when I put people into real estate investments, um, there's a lot of upside for them and, and a little bit for me, just so I, I keep motivated to do my job right. But I want them to get most of the money, which sometimes pisses my wife off. <laughs> but, you know, when I grow up, I'll do a fun now that we have some cool concept and. And we'll do a little bit more a prep rate type of a thing. But uh, how I've built my investment. Where are you,
0: where are you investing? What, what do you invest? Single family stuff? Where, where are you investing?
1: You know, it just depends. I believe everything has a price. So right now we're primarily investing in my Portland market. just because I'm very familiar with it. It's got good job growth right now um, in high paying jobs. So uh, there's three different segments that I look at for job growth. There's jobs that pay over a certain amount middle-income jobs and low-income jobs and Portland the middle-income jobs are very stagnant if not declining but the high-income jobs are increasing uh, and so are the low-income so there is a housing demand here and I think we're gonna at least see five to seven years of strong uh, first-time home buyer, bottom 50% of market value segments in Portland for a good long time so um, those are safe investments. I try and keep the things that I put people into under fifty percent of whatever the median value is for that area. So there's four segments in an area. Like say you're looking at a neighborhood and the high sale is a million and the low sales a hundred thousand. Every twenty five percent is a different segment. So I try and stay in the bottom two segments right now, just because that's where I'm comfortable. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll do single family we'll do land development we've got two deals right now where we're splitting up some dirt into land and you know we can pivot when that happens depending on what the market looks like we can either build those out sell them as single family new construction or we can sell the lots to a developer uh, or any number in between build out one or two specs sell the rest all kinds of stuff Uh, we could even uh, work on something that's kind of a passion project of mine where we uh, identify distressed properties, we purchase them, make them pretty, and then we sell them on some type of a contract to people that can't buy a house right now for whatever reason, but they're mm-hmm. close and they're working hard. Uh, we counsel them, we get them with some lenders that will come for the next two years so that they can take advantage of the real estate market in the next 24 months.
0: So, so is that where you, you want to take your business? Is that where you kind of see yourself going the next couple of years?
1: Yeah, you know, as long as I can find the time to do it, that is my dream. And uh, that's what we're working on.
0: And you mentioned a fund, too. Is that something so you can just have the capital available, ready for you to Yeah, you know, I'd like to do it at a really high
1: level. You know, and and in order to do that, you got to have some money ready to go. And and then, you know, when you're buying properties at the values that we're looking for on the investment side, you have to be able to make decisions fairly quickly. Uh, um, cause that's one of the perks of, of being able to buy a house, say at 70% LTV is you've got to be able to move when you say you can. Uh, the only reason why people sell under value is it's for, you know, convenience or distress. Um, very, very few times is there anything else that, that plays into that decision. So, uh, the convenience is I can close whenever you want. And they're like, well, I want you to close in three days. You better be ready.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. So how do people, if they want to get to know you a little better, how do they get to, to get a hold of you?
1: Uh emails always the best you?
0: Uh,
1: you can find me on my website, which is uh, com, or my email is paulc at com. And call me, email me, look me up, whatever. I, I love answering questions. And send, send you money?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, we send you money. <laughs> Chris only gets twenty uh, percent of it for saying that. But <laughs> I'll take, I'll take
0: it. He'll appreciate it. So, I mean, what skill sets do you? I mean, do you think are your strongest?
1: Uh, identifying deals, uh, creating uh, opportunity where other people don't necessarily see it, pushing things through to the finish line. Gosh, I think that's probably about it. I'm, I've never been good at answering that question, so.
0: I'll have to do you think your Do you think like where your, your your upbringing or like your parents or your, you know anything other any anything to do with where you are now? Like kind of where you you know negative. And let's talk about the positive. But uh, I mean, do you think that gave you the drive to kind of succeed?
1: Yeah, you know, my uh, my dad was always good about teaching me work ethic and integrity. So um, those two things kind of play into the investment business, I think, quite a bit. Uh, because a lot of people, are, you know, you can't just call somebody and say, throw me half a million bucks. you got to have at least a little bit of integrity and, and a decent reputation. Otherwise, that's just probably not going <laughs> yeah, to work. Not to Yeah. And then, you know, people want to know you're working hard for them. So I guess those things, those two things really do play into it. And I can definitely thank my pops for those.
0: Do you lose sleep at night when you have uh, other people's money in play?
1: If it's not going well, I, absolutely. You're damn right I do. I do not like being responsible for um, losing anybody else's money, and it happened very, very infrequently. So, And I have to be careful how I say that. It's, in, it's, it's not a fund. It's not me doing it. Somebody else made the decision yeah. based on the data that I provided, so SEC, leave me alone. I'm not doing anything illegal. I, uh, but if I had anything to do with it in any way, shape, or form, or if I gave them bad advice, yeah, it, it definitely needs to me, and it's, it's not, it's not how I like to do it. Uh, I've been very fortunate, and I'm knocking on wood right now, that uh, that has happened very, very, very few times over, over my career, especially in investing, so I'm working really hard to keep it that way.
0: Yeah, I hear that. So now we've gotten to the portion of the show, which I have no name for. But I ask you a bunch of questions.
1: <laughs> you need a sponsor
0: or you need like a like HP to come sponsor you or something like that. I'm going to, I'm trying to get a sponsor. There might be some coming on board. I'm just waiting. There you I go. have some potentials, some potentials. So when they come on board, we can rename it. Perfect. After whatever they are, whoever they are. So pot, any books do you recommend to someone? So pretend like you're, you know, people listening to this who are kind of, are not where you are necessarily, but kind of want to get to where you are. Mm-hmm. Um. What would you recommend to them as far as like any as far as books you've that have changed your life or, or influenced you positively?
1: Uh, well, the book I'm reading right now is is a real killer. It's called The Rise of Superman. I love it, um, and it just talks about flow okay. state in your brain and how that can kind of circumvent the 10,000 hour theory, where you know in order for you to become expert level at something, you got to do something for 10,000 hours. It teaches you how flow state can potentially take some of that time off, uh, and then you can like see some pretty incredible increases in your performance over a short period of time. It's one of my favorite books so far. Uh, but I would say that the book that probably had the most impact on me recently uh, mm-hmm. was the David Goggins book that just came out. and I can't put my finger on the name, but it it really uh, resonated with me because it's, um can't hurt me. Can't hurt can't me. Hurt me? Oh, okay.
0: Of- yeah. Oh, well, that's the guy, the um, the ex-Seal, correct?
1: Yeah, the X seal guy. He did the uh, "Living with a Seal," but he wasn't named in that book. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That guy. Um, yeah, yeah. I read, I read the I read the "Living with a Seal" book. That was awesome. That yeah, that book got
1: right. me through my first Iron Man. But this bad boy here, uh, something about it, man, it just really resonated with me because he did so many things that most people just wouldn't do sheer based on sheer effort like just just not taking no for an answer and, and just not letting his brain go down that rat hole that we all do uh and all the things that he's accomplished uh, and even the things that he like this guy doesn't even mess up without impressive like all the stuff that he screwed up that he still impressed me with his screw-ups so uh, <laughs> it was it was a really moving book and i'd highly recommend it to anyone
0: what's it called you can't hurt uh, me can't hurt me.
1: I wanted the okay. rise of Superman.
0: Those are two of my faves at the moment, that's for sure. And now another question I ask is, what kind of keeps you centered? But maybe you already said that. I mean, is that doing Ironmans? Is that something that keeps you keep you focused and 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 uh, kind of centered in life?
1: Yeah, I'm in my off season right now. You can probably tell by this video. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Exercise <laughs> My my daughter and my wife keep me extremely centered. Uh, I joke a lot about my wife busting my chops all the time, but the truth is, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, she keeps me very grounded, and, uh, and I love it. Um, gosh, what else? My daughter, man. Having my daughter was a definite... I mean, that's a that's a mental screw job. Uh, especially, like, just <laughs> the other day, she was like, uh, Daddy, Daddy, come lay down with me. She didn't want to take a nap by herself. And I'm just yeah. like... Completely away at this creature that just wants me to go lay down with her because it'll help her feel better when she naps. And I'm even more blown away at how fast I jumped my ass off the couch to go lay down with her and let her take a nap. I wasn't even tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just warms my soul every time she does something like that. And, you know, I know it's going to fly by and before I know it, I'll be a teenager and hate me. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. 100%. How about you? Are you listening to any podcasts regularly?
1: You know, I just got back into the podcast game like three days ago, and I was enjoying the Dak Prescott, or not Dak Prescott, sorry, uh, the actor. I can't remember his name. The football player? No, no, the actor, the guy that was in Chips. I don't know I can't remember his name. Dak something or other. I'm going to have to Google that one, too. Like the new Chips? Yeah, the new Chips.
0: There was an all-chips TV show.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was the new
0: movie. Oh, Dax. Dak. Dax?
1: Yeah, that yeah, guy. Dax. Dax, that's who it is. Not the football player. Um, that was actually really entertaining because uh, he, he and his wife have... Um, he's married to uh, another actress, and I found it really interesting because, yeah. you know, those people, they... Break up like every fifteen minutes, but they've got a pretty long-term yeah. relationship, and uh, I think the reason why they do is because they really go deep into uh, how hard it is and how much work they put into their relationship, and they have opened up some of that publicly. So uh, it was really nice to kind of listen to, the, you know, the, the rich and the famous of Hollywood, uh, you know, still get yelled at by their wives for going golfing too long on a Saturday. So, um, yeah
0: that. What advice would you give to your like twenty-year-old self? Get a better CPA. <laughs> get a better CPA, or get a CPA for that matter. Um, How about it, surround yourself with uh, <laughs> people to help you? Yes. As opposed to yes, there's
1: no like we're I'm I'm a dropout kid that grew up not knowing any of this stuff. Nobody taught me any financial tricks. I still don't know any of them. I've probably paid millions and millions of dollars in in money for fines and mistakes on taxes and various, like, how to set up corporations and all those things. Like, if you don't know, don't think that you can do it yourself. Get some good people around you uh, because they're willing. They're more than willing to help. In fact, people love to help somebody that really wants to help themselves. So. If you're putting in the work and you just need somebody to point you in the right direction, there's guys like that all over the place. And as soon as that happened for me, is when things really started to take off.
0: Yeah, they got, you got to build your team, right? Like army counting people you can bounce ideas off of and make sure that you're doing it correctly.
1: Yep, and I learned
0: that recently. I've I've learned that over the last couple of years as well. Super important. It is. It's
1: huge, man. Like I can't even tell you how much money and time I've probably blown not knowing that. And
0: uh, you know, if they don't call you back
1: for two weeks, it's not the right guy. Get somebody.
0: Yeah. And what about uh, mentors? You mentioned uh, what was the guy's name from Keller Williams?
1: Scott Beesaw. Yeah, he was my 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 retail real estate mentor for sure. He taught me a ton.
0: What about like? I mean, is that something you continually look for? Like people to kind of help guide you? Are you? I mean, you and I just belong to the same or what are they? A mastermind group. I call do it you, a billionaire do you do that? boys club. I mean, do you, <laughs> billionaire boys club. Do you? Do you? I mean, is that something that you've done for a while? I mean, have you always kind of been involved with different organizations to kind of
1: you know maybe, find more you
0: know, people more successful, quote unquote, successful than you to kind of help bring you bring you up to their level?
1: Million percent. I've I've made a life out of trying to be the dumbest guy in the room because uh, you just shut up and listen, and you pick up so much. It's, you know, everyone it, it just gets harder and harder to find those rooms the more you learn, obviously, but like the group that we were talking about, that mastermind's fantastic. I'm constantly the dumbest guy in that room and that's great. And if you're in a room where people are judging you or making you feel judged about being the dumbest guy in the room, then you're also probably not in the right room. But yeah. I, I would say masterminds and and your tribe or your, your people, your team has been everything for me and my career. You know, I was doing okay before, but it expanded my mind and introduced me to some pretty amazing people. Some of which invest, we invest together sometimes. Uh, like I met, I met a guy named Chris at a mastermind for viral marketing some years ago, and it ended up turning into me being an angel investor in a real estate technology platform called Firepoint. So it just comes. It comes out of everywhere, man. Like if you put yourself in the right room, it just amazes me how many opportunities you get. Awesome.
0: Now, what do you look for when you hire someone?
1: That's a great question. I'm the worst at this, man. I just called you and asked you how to do that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the fact of, you know being in the right room, man. That's your bread and butter. I have no idea, man. It's all gut, but I know there's a science behind it. And- And to be honest, my gut's been wrong quite a few times when it comes to hiring people. I just, you know, the one lesson I have learned is nobody else is you. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it depends on the task. But nobody else is you. So, you know, you can't expect them to behave the way that you would behave in a situation or when you're given a task. You have to hire somebody that has complementary skill sets that allow you to be you and them to be them. So that's really all I got there. Everything else I plan on asking you.
0: <laughs> well, that's good enough, man. That was awesome. That was a great podcast. Thank you.
1: It's always my pleasure. I love what you do, and uh, I love being a dumb guy in the room with you. So, uh, I'll oh, get out. Of, get out of here. I'm happy to be the dumbest get guy in that room, here. my friend. Anytime.
0: Oh, you're too. You're too modest. There's nah. definitely one other dumb, dumber person in that room. Not me, but someone else that's dumber. <laughs> we'll find somebody.
1: We'll find somebody.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. Please visit us online at tbg-realestate.com or on Instagram at tbg.realestate. Until next time, have a great week.